You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. It's good to have you back. This is China Africa Talk, your weekly program to what's happening between China and Africa from a Chinese and African perspective. I'm Bridget Motambirwa here, coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. And today we will be exploring ways to developing future football powerhouses among national soccer teams from youth to grassroots stage. We'll also be reflecting on women's football performances at international level. Now, discussion today comes against the backdrop that China has an ambitious goal of both its men's and women's national football teams becoming leaders in Asia during the country's 14th five-year plan from 2021 to 2025. Now, despite nationwide interest in the sport and continuous investment, China's men's teams have failed to qualify for the FIFA World Cup for five times in a row, and the women's team suffered an early exit at the ongoing Women's World Cup. Additionally, Even when African sides have made the knockout rounds of the tournament, none have been able to win a knockout game at the Women's World Cup. Now, during this year's two sessions, China's sports minister says the country's prowess in the three collective big ball games, namely football, volleyball and basketball, are falling behind. Gao Jidang vowed to curb the continuous slump in the men's soccer national program with measures including support for youth participation. We must work from the grassroots level to actively support and cultivate those youth football clubs' development. In terms of policies, budgets, and talents pool, we will steer more toward the social football development so that uh, the professional football games and uh, the social football development could be emphasized at the same time. That was Chinese Sports Minister Gao Jidang on supporting the development of football in China from a young age. For discussions today, we have Professor Hu Liang. He's a professor of sports and exercise psychology, associate dean, College of Education, chair, Department of Sports Science with Zhejiang University in Hangzhou. Thank you. Also joining us is Walter Msanu, founder of Jadal Football Academy, which basically grooms young talents in Zimbabwe and China. Walter joins us today for the second time on the program, although this time not from the usual sports field in Beijing, but from Germany. Perhaps as the discussion progresses, he'll be able to explain why he's there. Walter, glad you could make it on the program. Thanks so much, Bridget. Our third guest joining our discussion is Primrose Serima. She's a professional coach, referee, fitness trainer, and sports administrator from Zimbabwe, but currently in Beijing under Jadal Football Academy. Primrose, wonderful to have you on China Africa Talk. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Over to you, Professor Huliang. Is there a link between football development at an early age and the subsequent success of national teams? Furthermore, considering that it is widely known that China and several countries in Africa are not yet football powerhouses. Yeah, sure. Appreciate it. Thank you for the question. I do think there's a very strong link between youth development at the early age and the country's football 
levels. I myself is known as a professor of sport and uh, exercise psychology, but also I'm known by my friends as a big fan of football. Yeah. And still, yeah, I'm playing football regularly, once or even twice a week. Okay. And uh, yeah, I know that um, in China, football is a big talking point. And mm -hmm. um, the whole country is uh, always following the development. I wanted Team China to provide good performance, but a lot of times we are a bit frustrating that kind of not doing very good in the out of several uh, World Cups yeah. uh, qualifiers. Mm. So I think both the government and the whole society are trying to find the problem and uh, what we should do to improve our uh, football level. And that's a common goal. Uh, from my perspective, uh, from my understanding and my interviews and my discussion with a number of people from different professions, uh, I think somehow we reach a consensus that uh, the barrier we are facing is that not enough younger uh, generation are playing football okay. uh, and also not enough qualified tra trainers to help them improve their football level. So I think this is one of the key reasons. So if we are able to work together with even other countries mm -hmm. to solve this problem, I think we will be able to make breakthroughs. I think probably so something that we can work together with African countries. Mm. Yep. Still on you, Professor. For several years, China has been working to transform the interest in football into active participation. Do you see that goal being achieved in China currently, or it still needs a bit more work? Certainly, first, I think, yeah, China has made a lot of efforts to achieve this goal, to encourage more people to play football. Uh, we are under the way. Mm -hmm. You do see a lot of efforts. For example, in the past decade, uh, the Chinese Super League, Football League, has attracted many uh, world-class uh, players to come to China. So that you see uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, that a lot, not many people are actually going to the stadium to watch the game, but that has been changed uh, in some way, that many more people are going to the stadium to watch the game. So that's one good sign. And also, like I just mentioned, I think one of the problems Sometimes I go to the football field, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit frustrated to see that not, not enough young people are playing football. Like still, you see a lot of players are like my age, like 30 or even 40 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the problems is that uh, the Chinese people always place very high value in academic studies. So a lot right. of uh, middle school and primary school students spend too much time studying. And I think this has been, this prominence has been recognized and there are some measures being taken. For example, I just recently read there was a mid-term and a long-term strategic plan for uh, football development mm -hmm. uh, established by the Chinese government uh, from 2016 to, uh, I think, uh, 2016 to uh, 2050. So in one of the near uh, goal is to uh, get middle school and primary school students to go to the football field, mm -hmm. for example, to 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 make it the number to over a thirty million students mm. to be able to play football uh, regularly. So I know it's a big number, but considering the the population size, uh, I think this is a goal that we are, we should achieve and we are able to achieve. So still, there are many many things that we can do. Not only the government, but also uh, I know that a lot of social forces, for example, some uh, foundations recently have participated in the activity mm -hmm. where a uh, public foundation organized uh, some 
principals from middle school and primary schools to share the experience, how they promote sport and love, and what they do is to promote football playing mm-hmm. uh, in the on campus. So there's many, many things that we're doing, and uh, certainly there are, there are a lot of things that we still are able to do and we need to do. Overcome. It's good that we have Walter here today in this discussion as an illustration to perhaps some of the things that you're suggesting to improve professional football in China as he is developing young talents. Walter, you've been scooping a couple of awards in Beijing since we last had you on the program, and these are all related to your work with the Football Academy. And one of the awards was the Youth Development Award, awarded to you at the Pride of Africa Asia Pacific Awards in Beijing. Now, as founder of of a young football talent academy in China, how do you see yourself contributing towards young professional talent and the social development of football in China? Uh, well, first I'll say thanks to the host, the awarding company, the Pride of Africa, for honoring us. It's quite surprising that we are now being recognized in terms of football development in China. Mm-hmm. Receiving the Youth Development Award, it speaks volumes of the impact which we are making in terms of the football development in China not only China and China and Zimbabwe. The social part also beneficial in terms of the cultural exchange programs which we are doing between the two countries, Zimbabwe and China. Mm. And that is helping both sides in terms of interaction, in terms of learning from each other, in terms of even tourism itself. I've seen myself going with a Chinese kid in Zimbabwe. He got to fit into the system, not Mm. because we took him there, but because what we are doing with the kids in China, it's making everyone curious to say, wow, we have learned a lot from these guys mm-hmm. from Zimbabwe. We have learned a lot from these guys from Africa. So what else can they offer us to train with our players there, the Jadio Football Academy kids in Zimbabwe? And we have seen ourselves doing the same in return. Walter, GEBE Foundation Education and Sports Development, uh, which is a German organization, invited your academy wing in Beijing to join its sport program in Germany. Prior to that, you received approval from the Ministry of Youth, Sports, Arts and Recreation of Zimbabwe for your players from your academy's wing in Zimbabwe to participate in an annual Youth Cup tour in China. How are both teams doing so far? Uh, well, I think uh, things have been going smoothly so far. Mm-hmm. Um, many thanks to FIFA, the Zimbabwe Football Association board, mm-hmm. which uh, approved our kids to be able to travel to China, and that includes the SRC and also with a major seal from the Minister of Sports. They are aware of this trip that these kids are coming to showcase their talent and rather not just their talent in playing football, but also to be part of the example which we are under quite experimenting. Okay. Um, is it possible for us to engage African kids and Chinese kids to play together? Mm. You know, is it possible for us in China to see the picture that it's possible? They are playing together. They mm-hmm. are friends. So why can't we take it from there? Why can't we take it from that stage that, okay, fine, right. if these kids are from Zimbabwe and they are getting along with our own Chinese good kids, mm-hmm. we can build a very good national team with kids mixed from Europe and Africa. So in other words, you are agreeing with Professor Hu that this sort of like exchange program between the kids at youth level is something that could actually be the solution. This is the solution. We can't get away from that, Bridget, because... Mm. Look at the world. Look at France. France, they are winning World Cup. France, they are playing in the major tournament. The leagues are very big, you know. 
we can't we can't start. I know before we had DJ Drop by joining our league, right? As part of this program, but we can't start from a thirty year old. Why can't we start from a ten year old, from eleven mm. year old, twelve year old? We give them citizenship and then we mix them with our own best kids. In China, we are very intelligent kids. So my plea is, we will get a recognition to be part of the change which we want in China. We have been invited in Germany by Gay Foundation and Squaring. Not because we are looking for connections, but mm-hmm. because they are also recognizing and acknowledging what we are trying to do in terms of football development. Okay. And in Germany, the kids that you have, um, are they from Zimbabwe? Are they from China? They are mixed. The current team we have in Germany, we have kids from South Africa, mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. Japan, Chinese kids born in America, mm-hmm. Chinese kid born in, in Canada, and, and, and um, another kid from South Africa, another kid from Zimbabwe. The way these kids are interacting, it's marvelous to watch. Mm. The way they are coordinating when they are playing football. I was surprised the German kids saying, this team from China is strong. Mm. And they started laughing. Mm. <laughs> and I said, they are now recognizing this team. Uh, you know, they are relating it to a Chinese team. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So we've already made an impact. So right. why can't we take it from there? Right, sure. What else do the kids um, being exposed to in Germany that could enhance their football progression? And what do you hope for the kids to achieve regardless if they become professional football players or not? One, the social part. Mm-hmm. They are spending their time interacting with other kids, mm-hmm. getting to know each other. Number two, the kids here, there are systems whereby the kids are training at least twice per day or once per day, but at least they're training every day. Kids are exposed to a lot of tournaments, but the main important thing I've learned, we have learned in this German trip is there is a system, Bridget. They make a follow-up on the players that, okay, fine, this team is under eight. They are growing together to under 10, under 12, under 15, under, sorry, under 16, under 18, mm-hmm. under 20. And there are records to show that. So mm-hmm. if any child is going to play professional or not going to play professional, they are proud of themselves okay. because they've gained something socially, physically and mentally. Which is a good thing. Yes. Mm. Over to you, Professor Hu. Do you see what Walter's doing as an effective way to overcome the challenges in talent development when we're looking at China together with African countries that are trying to improve the outcome of future national teams. What's your take? Yeah, I think this is a great point. Thank you, Walter, for bringing so much information in the support. I certainly think this has a lot of potentials. Mm. Uh, as far as I remember, like 20 years ago, China has already uh, taken a step. I remember one of the company called Jenny Bao. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beverage company, very big, and okay. it's sponsored to select several thousands young players right. to go to Brazil. Right. who want to learn from Brazil. Uh, how to be a competitive team. Mm-hmm. And some of them come back to China become uh, very important forces of several teams. Mm-hmm. You take a look at the uh, French team, Team France. You do see a lot of players, uh, they have their origins from Africa. So, yeah, it's not surprising. And in over uh, several years, uh, both China and some other countries have tried to naturalize some foreign players mm-hmm. to get into uh, their teams. Speaking of the youngsters, I think it's important that we put some programs together. For example, mm-hmm. some Chinese students, they only play in their own uh, city, right. in our own province. Mm. They don't have the chance to communicate with uh, a lot of different buyers. So when they come to adult age, they might be a little frightened. Sometimes you need to uh, be able to meet with people to emerge into a competitive 
atmosphere so that you can be mentally strong. You cannot just like stay in a very little small world. It doesn't work that way. It's a lot of things that we can learn from other countries. I know that Germany has very good youth training systems. One of the main systems is not only like、uh, they have very good facilities because what I know that in China,、uh, even not just the urban areas, even the rural areas, the facilities are being improving. So it is okay for them to find fields. But I think it's probably more problem of what we call software problems. We need. Better training system, more、right. qualified coaches.、Mm. Yeah. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. And we have Primrose on the program. She's been quiet. She's a coach from Zimbabwe, working under the Jadal Academy, and she's currently based here in Beijing.、Uh, Primrose, do you feel women's football in Africa is? Developing、uh, at a fast enough rate. Let, let's let's talk about the female side of things. I think fast rate enough.、Mm-hmm. It all depends really on one's say expectations. I'd like to to say African women's football is growing at a fast rate, but do not want to take away the growth、mm-hmm. that is happened in terms of women football、mm. right down to grassroots.、Mm. Where we now have young girls being part of the early football training,、mm. for example, at our academy, we have started enrolling young girls from the age of five in Zimbabwe and in China.、Okay. Here in China, they are doing the same,、okay. and in Zimbabwe again, we are getting somewhere starting from the grassroots. That's where it all starts,、mm-hmm. because we now have football tournament,、mm-hmm. and many clubs have their grassroots levels.、Mm-hmm. So I think we are going somewhere. And still on women in football, in the last two or three years, international focus on women's football has increased dramatically. Why? Why do you think that is?、Um, all right, all right. I think we have to give credit to the technical teams and as well as the players. Mm-hmm. Because now they are now showing good quality of football compared to where we started from. Okay, just like what Professor Huliang was mentioning, that you know it would help to have well-trained coaches to actually boost this. Exactly. Then I also wanted to say, you、sure. know, having me here, like I'm a female coach, yes, the boys team, it really speaks a lot. Okay. About women's football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw some video clips of training the boys. I was like, "Wow!" Thank you so much. In my country, like there is this gender inequality program、mm-hmm. that we exercise, so we are all given equal opportunities.、Mm. Either you are a male coach or you are a female coach.、Mm, that, that's、yeah. good, Professor Hu. In addition to what Primrose is saying, what are some realistic goals for China and African national football teams? When we look at it, not just from the females but from the males as well. From the Chinese perspective,、mm-hmm. the whole nation is watching and following, and not satisfied with the level we are at this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. But I think realistically,、uh, it would be nice in the next、um, couple World Cup, where the men's 
national team were able to make the final stage. That means the final like 32. Mm-hmm. Um, then I myself is happy. Um, mm-hmm. Then so we can st- uh, gradually build up the the basis, especially the confidence. Right. Uh, and more importantly, I think I I still think we need to. We, we we shouldn't do something like uh, today. We learn from Brazil, and then something mm. we it doesn't work, and then we go to uh, German or mm. so on so forth. I think we probably need to identify what we're capable of, mm. what uh, kind of soccer style best suit us. Mm. Uh, that's quite realistic. So I think we need to take realistic measures. For example, to promote the fundamental basis, like uh, go to the primary and middle schools, so that uh, we have some uh, very common, commonly accepted uh, soccer styles mm-hmm. styles, so that we can play. Uh, we understand football in the same, same way. So mm-hmm. that's from men's team. For the women's team, I think, uh, actually, I think they, they've been quite good in history. Like in 1999, I still remember I uh, have been watching the uh, Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see like Sun Wen, Gao Hong, Liu Ai, and still know their names. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like over 20 years ago, they went to the final. Of the World Cup, um, mm. almost won the, won, the, won the title. Now, um, I don't think we make uh, we're we're going back. I think it's more that other countries are making bigger uh, progress. So that uh, uh, we're struggling, like the recent World, Women's World Cup, uh, the team uh, didn't make it to the knockout stage. So mm. realistically, I think the goal is to that we continuously go into the World Cup final stage and try to make it to the. Uh, knockout stage so that uh, and also we also we found our best styles so that uh, we can compete against uh, another those strong powerhouses yeah mm. primrose what, what do you think about the performance of the african teams at the ongoing women's world cup in the recent like end of world cup mm-hmm. was beyond expectation of many people in the beginning of the world cup you can see no one would actually expect any single african team to go beyond the knockout stages right, right. but for the first time like for the first time ever in the history of the women's world cup three teams actually made it and that was nigeria and South Africa, as well as Morocco. And this is actually a record for the African countries. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the fact that Nigeria drew 0-0 with mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. only to lose on penalties, that is that was 4-2. One cannot say African women football has not grown. Right, and right. with the biggest surprises on the tournament, being the fact that Nigeria beat Australia to a thrilling 3-2 victory. Mm-hmm. So this past World Cup is a testimony of the great strides that African women football has had. Mm. There's a last question uh, for you, Walter. Um, yeah. My question is, as a coach with experience in nurturing young Chinese and African talents, what two or three things would you say are important in developing football talent? Uh, football is a broad uh, sport. Uh-huh. You know, you're talking of an universal sport. Mm-hmm. One of the things I will mention is tolerance. Okay. Consistent, number two, and uh, perseverance. Okay. I'm talking about discipline in terms of that. It covers a lot of things. Okay. You know, you might be encouraged, but if you don't have discipline, you can't go anywhere. I can't talk about hardworking because Chinese kids are hardworking. That I know. Okay. Professor Hu, do you have anything that you'd like to add on? Two, three things would you say are important to developing football talent? 
Well, uh, thank you for uh, giving me more time. Um, well, first, I, I want to add thing is I just forgot to mention when we, uh, for the previous sure. uh, question about African football, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I actually want to share my observation. Uh, um, African football is very powerful, very strong. Uh, you have a lot of uh, patterns, uh, for example, like the French team Mbappe mm -hmm. as African origin, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so still, um, in, in China, we I think well, we also have a lot of talent, talented players, potentially, mm. uh, because when, when we play, sometimes we can see some players, they're very smart um, mm. with a lot of uh, skills. I think one important thing is is to how to identify them from mm. early age right. and then make them go to the right training system. Right. One thing I personally am not uh, are against is that uh, we want to make, if we want to make uh, good performance, mm -hmm. then we want the people at seven, eight years old to receive very professional mm. uh, training or even very strong uh, physical trainings. Right. In this way, you probably will kill their creativity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's something we need to work together to give them a little bit more space right. to let uh, the kids to demonstrate their potentials, right. to give them some more room to right. show their variability. Mm, sure. So everyone is different. Right. Yeah. So we cannot put everything. Structure is very important, but sometimes we we, we I, I don't think we should do that very much early on. So in just in you just want to uh, have good uh, performance. You know, mm. just my observations. Maybe we can learn that. One more like the professional coaches, Prime um, mm. Rose and Walter. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Professor. Mm. And hopefully, Walter, in the next football exchange, we'll have more females. Uh, we always take people by surprise. Okay. Yeah. We'll take that as something positive. We will have, definitely, we have more females. All right, Walter, Professor Hu, and Primrose, thank you so much for this discussion. Thank you so much, Bridget. Yes, thank welcome. you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Listeners, we value your feedback. For any comments on this episode, drop us an email on audionewsroom at cgtn.com. Until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.